This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Red Abrus. The Mysteries of Udolpho by Anne Radcliffe. Volume 3, Chapter 2. Unfold what worlds or what vast regions hold the immortal mind that hath forsook her mansion in this fleshly nook il penseroso emily's mind was refreshed by sleep on waking in the morning she looked with surprise on annette who sat sleeping in a chair beside the bed and then endeavoured to recollect herself but the circumstances of the preceding night were swept from her memory, which seemed to retain no trace of what had passed, and she was still gazing with surprise on Annette when the latter awoke. "'Oh, dear mademoiselle, do you know me?' cried she. "'Know you?' "'Certainly,' replied Emily. "'You are Annette. But why are you sitting by me thus?' Oh, you have been very ill, mademoiselle, very ill indeed, and I am sure I thought— This is very strange, said Emily, still trying to recollect the past. But I think I do remember that my fancy has been haunted by frightful dreams. Good God, she added, suddenly starting, surely it was nothing more than a dream. She fixed a terrified look upon Annette who, intending to quiet her, said, "'Yes, mademoiselle, it was more than a dream, but it's all over now.' "'She is murdered, then,' said Emily in an inward voice, and shuddering instantaneously. Annette screamed, for being ignorant of the circumstance to which Emily referred, she attributed her manner to a disordered fancy. But when she had explained to what her own speech alluded, Emily, recollecting the attempt that had been made to carry her off, asked if the contriver of it had been discovered. Annette replied that he had not, though he might easily be guessed at, and then told Emily she might thank her for her deliverance, who, endeavouring to command the emotion which the remembrance of her aunt had occasioned, appeared calmly to listen to Annette though, in truth, she heard scarcely a word that was said. "'And so, mademoiselle,' continued the latter, "'I was determined to be even with Bernardine for refusing to tell me the secret. By finding it out myself, so I watched you on the terrace, and as soon as he had opened the door at the end, I stole out from the castle to try to follow you, for, says I, I am sure no good can be planned, or why all this secrecy?' So sure enough, he had not bolted the door after him, and when I opened it, I saw by the glimmer of the torch at the other end of the passage which way you were going. I followed the light at a distance till you came to the walls of the chapel, and there I was, afraid to go further, for I had heard strange things about these walls. But then again, I was afraid to go back, all in darkness by myself, so by the time Bernardine had trimmed the light, I had resolved to follow you, and I did so till you came to the great court, and there I was afraid he would see me, so I stopped at the door again, and watched you across to the gates. 
and when you was gone up the stairs i whipped after there as i stood under the gateway i heard horses feet without and several men talking and i heard them swearing at bernardine for not bringing you out and just then he had liked to have caught me for he came down the stairs again and i had hardly time to get out of his way but i had heard enough of his secret now and i determined to be even with him and to save you too mademoiselle for i guessed it would be some new scheme of count morano though he was gone away i ran into the castle but i had hard work to find my way through the passage under the chapel and what is very strange i quite forgot to look for the ghosts they had told me about though i would not go into that place again by myself for all the world luckily the signor and signor cavigny were up so we had soon a train at our heels sufficient to frighten that bernardine and his rogues all together annette ceased to speak but emily still appeared to listen at length she said suddenly i think i'll go to him myself where is he annette asked who was meant signor montoni replied emily i would speak with him and annette now remembering the order he had given on the preceding night respecting her young lady rose and said she would seek him herself this honest girl's suspicions of count morano were perfectly just emily too when she thought on the scheme had attributed it to him and montoni who had not a doubt on this subject also began to believe that it was by the direction of morano that poison had formerly been mingled with his wine the professions of repentance which morano had made to emily under the anguish of his wound were sincere at the moment he offered them but he had mistaken the subject of his sorrow for while he thought he was condemning the cruelty of his late design he was lamenting only the state of suffering to which it had reduced him as these sufferings abated his former views revived till his health being re-established he again found himself ready for enterprise and difficulty the porter of the castle who had served him on a former occasion willingly accepted a second bribe and having concerted the means of drawing emily to the gates morano publicly left the hamlet whither he had been carried after the affray and withdrew with his people to another at several miles distance from thence on a night agreed upon by bernardine who had discovered from the thoughtless prattle of annette the most probable means of decoying emily the count sent back his servants to the castle while he awaited her arrival at the hamlet with an intention of carrying her immediately to venice how this his second scheme was frustrated has already appeared but the violent and various passions with which this italian lover was now agitated on his return to that city can only be imagined annette having made her report to montoni of emily's health and of her request to see him he replied that she might attend him in the cedar room in about an hour it was on the subject that pressed so heavily on her mind that emily wished to speak to him yet she did not distinctly know what good purpose this could answer and sometimes she even recoiled in horror from the expectation of his presence she wished also to petition though she scarcely dared to believe that request would be granted that he would permit her since her aunt was no more to return to her native country 
as the moment of interview approached her agitation increased so much that she almost resolved to excuse herself under what could scarcely be called a pretence of illness and when she considered what could be said either concerning herself or the fate of her aunt she was equally hopeless as to the event of her entreaty and terrified as to its effect upon the vengeful spirit of montoni yet to pretend ignorance of her death appeared in some degree to be sharing its criminality and indeed this event was the only ground on which emily could rest her petition for living udolpho while her thoughts thus wavered a message was brought importing that montoni could not see her till the next day and her spirits were then relieved for a moment from an almost intolerable weight of apprehension annette said she fancied that cavaliers were going out to the wars again for the courtyard was filled with horses and she heard that the rest of the party who went out before were expected at the castle and i heard one of the soldiers too added she say to his comrade that he would warrant they would bring home a rare deal of booty so thinks i if the signor can with a safe conscience send his people out a robbing why it is no business of mine i only wish i was once safe out of this castle and if it had not been for poor ludovico's sake i would have let count morano's people run away with us both for it would have been serving you a good turn mademoiselle as well as myself annette might have continued thus talking for hours for any interruption she would have received from emily who was silent inattentive absorbed in thought and passed the whole of this day in a kind of solemn tranquillity such as is often the result of faculties overstrained by suffering when night returned emily recollected the mysterious strains of music that she had lately heard in which she still felt some degree of interest and of which she hoped to hear again the soothing sweetness the influence of superstition now gained on the weakness of her long harassed mind she looked with enthusiastic expectation to the guardian spirit of her father and having dismissed annette for the night determined to watch alone for their return it was not yet however near the time when she had heard the music on a former night and anxious to call off her thoughts from distressing subjects she sat down with one of the few books that she had brought from france but her mind refusing control became restless and agitated and she went often to the casement to listen for a sound once she thought she heard a voice but then everything without the casement remaining still she concluded that her fancy had deceived her thus passed the time till twelve o'clock soon after which the distant sounds that murmured through the castle ceased and sleep seemed to reign over all emily then seated herself at the casement where she was soon recalled from the reverie into which she sunk by very unusual sounds not of music but like the low mourning of some person in distress and she listened her heart faltered in terror and she became convinced that the former sound was more than imaginary still at intervals she heard a kind of feeble lamentation and sought to discover whence it came there were several rooms underneath adjoining the rampart which had been long shut up and as the sound probably rose from one of these she leaned from the casement to observe whether any light was visible there 
The chambers, as far as she could perceive, were quite dark, but at a little distance on the rampart below she thought she saw something moving. The faint twilight which the stars shed did not enable her to distinguish what it was, but she judged it to be a sentinel on watch, and she removed her light to a remote part of the chamber that she might escape notice during her further observation. The same object still appeared. Presently it advanced along the rampart towards her window, and she then distinguished something like a human form, but the silence with which it moved convinced her it was no sentinel. As it drew near, she hesitated whether to retire. A thrilling curiosity inclined her to stay, but a dread of she scarcely knew what warned her to withdraw. While she passed, the figure came opposite to her casement, and was stationary. Everything remained quiet. She had not heard even a footfall, and the solemnity of this silence, with the mysterious form she saw, subdued her spirits so that she was moving from the casement, when, on a sudden, she observed the figure start away and glide down the rampart, after which it was soon lost in the obscurity of night. Emily continued to gaze for some time on the way it had passed, and then retired within her chamber, musing on this strange circumstance, and scarcely doubting that she had witnessed a supernatural appearance. When her spirits recovered composure, she looked round for some other explanation. Remembering what she had heard of the daring enterprises of Montoni, it occurred to her that she had just seen some unhappy person who, having been plundered by his banditti, was brought hither a captive, and that the music she had formerly heard came from him. Yet, if they had plundered him, it still appeared improbable that they should have brought him to the castle, and it was also more consistent with the manners of banditti to murder those they rob than to make them prisoners. But what, more than any other circumstance, contradicted the supposition that it was a prisoner was that it wandered on the terrace without a guard, a consideration which made her dismiss immediately her first surmise. Afterwards, she was inclined to believe that Count Morano had obtained admittance into the castle, but she soon recollected the difficulties and dangers that must have opposed such an enterprise, and that, if he had so far succeeded to come alone and in silence to her casement at midnight, was not the conduct he would have adopted, particularly since the private staircase communicating with her apartment was known to him neither would he have uttered the dismal sounds she had heard. Another suggestion represented that this might be some person who had designs upon the castle, but the mournful sounds destroyed also that probability. Thus enquiry only perplexed her, who or what it could be that haunted this lonely hour, complaining in such doleful accents and in such sweet music for she was still inclined to believe that the former strains and the late appearance were connected. She had no means of ascertaining, and imagination again assumed her empire and roused the mysteries of superstition. She determined, however, to watch on the following night when her doubts might, perhaps, be cleared up, and she almost resolved to address the figure if it should appear again.
End of Volume 3 Chapter 2 Recording by Red Abris June 2008